Well, I don't know about you, but I feel the presence of God in this house this morning. Amen. If we could all stand in honor of the reading of the word of God, we're about to get into the word. I thought the praise team did an awesome job this morning. Why don't we give the praise team a hand? I'm proud of our praise team. I'm thankful for all the hard work that they put into our services, and it doesn't go unnoticed. And I'm thankful for that today. I'm thankful for the presence of God, aren't you? And, uh, you know, <clears throat> when I was a little boy, I, I liked to try to do things to, to help my parents, you know, get some brownie points and, and see whatever I could do. What can I do to make them proud of me? And I remember one time when they went out, I decided that I was going to, you know what, I'm going to surprise mom today and I'm going to clean the carpets while she's gone. And when she gets home, she's going to be so proud of me that I cleaned the stains off of the carpet. So I went under the sink, and I found the first bottle I could find. And, and I, I went, and I cleaned the carpets, and all of a sudden, I was feeling so proud. And as it started to dry, my mom was just walking in the door, and I said, Mom, I cleaned the carpets for you. She said, Baby, that was the bleach bottle. That was the bleach bottle. And I thought at that moment, that was the end of my story. I thought that was it right there. But you know what? To my surprise, they looked at me and said, you know what? I see the intention of your heart, and I see what you are trying to do. And thank you so much. And you know what? I feel like God's looking at us this morning. And we make mistakes, and there's things we come to church, and we feel like there's just some things that I didn't do right this week. God's looking at us this morning and saying, you know what? I see the intention of your heart. And I love you. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? We serve an awesome God in this place. If you have your Bibles, if you can turn with me to the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 27. Matthew, chapter 27, and verse 3. And how many will help us continue to pray for John and Vera as they're having their baby today and pray for Pastor and Sister French? We're believing for a smooth delivery, and you know what? Your prayers can make all the difference today. And I'm thankful for a church family that is willing to get behind you and pray with you. It means the world. I've, I've been there before. I can feel the prayers of the people of God. And if you're at Matthew 27 and verse 3, could you say amen? It says this, Then Judas which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself, and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, and departed and went and hanged himself. Now, I want you to notice today that it was not God who killed Judas. It, was, it wasn't an act of nature that killed him. It wasn't a heart attack or an unfortunate accident that killed him. It was self that ended the life of Judas. And I want to preach to you this morning for a few minutes from my heart. I feel in the Holy Ghost my title is in a form of faith today. Your story does not end here. Your story does not end here. 
I wonder if you could put your Bibles and raise your hands and just one more time before we enter into the word. I wonder if you could lift up your voice and just begin to speak to God. God, I pray that you would open my heart today. Lord, there are some things that I feel like like are coming against me today when I walk into the house of God, but you look at me anyways and you say, I see the intention of your heart. God wants to change somebody's heart this morning to when you leave this place, you will leave and never be the same in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Thank you for standing with me. One more time, could you clap your hands to the Lord and thank him for what we feel in this house? You may be seated. Amen. Judas was in fact one of the 12 disciples. And being a disciple, I think it's safe to say that he knew Jesus better than most. He walked along the side of Jesus and witnessed with his own eyes the miraculous power of who Jesus was. It was no mystery to him that Jesus was who he said that he was. After all, he had seen Miracle after miracle. Aren't you thankful this morning that you know who Jesus is? And Judas knew who Jesus was. But one day Judas betrayed Jesus for a small token of just 30 pieces of silver. Now, in my personal opinion, the story of Judas is one of the saddest accounts in the Bible. It's one of the saddest accounts in the entire Bible. Because when you think of Judas, what is the first thing that you would think of? You would think of betrayal. You think of shame. When You know, I don't think John and Vera today when they're thinking, you know, what are we going to name the baby? I don't think it's going to be a thought, well, maybe we'll name it Judas. Nobody wants to name their baby Judas because... Judas is associated with betrayal. Judas is associated with shame. But unlike what you commonly hear, the true tragedy of Judas is not the fact that he betrayed Jesus, although it was a horrible mistake indeed. No, I'm telling you this morning that the most tragic factor in the story of Judas is that he allowed his mistake to become his identity. Judas was absolutely ashamed of himself. He had convinced himself that he could never be forgiven. And Judas's name has gone down in history as a name associated with shame. But Judas's association is not due to the fact that he betrayed Jesus. He is associated with shame because he allowed his mistake to be the last thing that he ever did. But the tragedy of Judas is that his story did not have to end there. It didn't have to be that way. It wasn't Jesus that killed Judas. It was Judas that killed Judas. That's the greatest tragedy of this story. And his name did not have to be associated as shameful. Somewhere along the line, Judas saw Jesus forgive the adulterer. But he couldn't grasp onto the fact that Jesus would forgive him. He saw Jesus forgive 
hundreds, thousands, people. He saw them heal people. He saw him forgive people left and right. He, he saw him as he would forgive. But somewhere along the line, he could not make it click in his mind that he could be forgiven. And that's the problem that the church begins to face is that we can look at everybody else around us. And we come up into the altar and we look at the brothers and the sisters next to us and we say, they've been forgiven or God's given them a miracle or God's done this for my brother or God's done this for my sister. I'm telling you somebody somewhere sometime it's got to click in the children of God's minds that Jesus can forgive me and Jesus can provide a miracle for me. It's not just about anything else. This thing called salvation, it applies to me. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? And that's why the Bible gives us detail that it was himself that killed Judas. And understandably, everybody was so worried about Jesus on trial. And I'm sure the disciples never had time to tell Judas, this doesn't have to be the end for you. Your story does not have to end here. I think somewhere in our minds we fabricated this image of Judas betrayed Jesus and all of a sudden all the disciples hated him. No, that was not so. None of them wanted that to be the end for Judas. It was himself that decided this is it for me. I came to remind somebody this morning in the Holy Ghost and take time to tell you that your story does not have to end at your mistakes. Your identity is not determined by your mistakes. But there is not a mistake big enough to become your identity unless you allow it to be the last thing that you ever do. Could you clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise? I'm so thankful that I can tell you that today. I'm telling you this morning that we serve a big God. We serve a merciful God. And I'm telling you something. We get it in our minds that we've made mistakes. I'm telling you we're all sinners saved by grace. He's not a big God looking over us saying, oh, what are they going to do wrong? How am I going to condemn them? How am I going to send them to hell? No, that's not the God that you serve. The God that you serve says, okay, I see this right here. But he's repented of this. And he looks down and he says, I see that chapter. But the story doesn't end there. That's the kind of God that we worship in this place. I'm telling you, sometimes people ask me, why do you get so excited when you lead worship? What is it about it that makes you jump and and praise God? I'm telling you something. It's a very simple question, and it's a very simple answer. I dance because I have been forgiven. I have been forgiven, and that's enough reason. If he doesn't do anything, I've been forgiven. And you are your own worst critic. You are your own worst enemy. I can be my own worst enemy. I can be my own worst critic. I am a lot harder on myself than the great I am is on me. It would be a shame to live ashamed because your story does not have to end that way. I came to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost by a word of faith, your story does not end here. Your chapter does not end here. God has something next for you and it's greater than anything you 
Somehow we fabricated the idea in our minds that Judas is the name that is associated with a hopeless situation that can never be forgiven. But Judas could have been forgiven. Every one of us in here have made mistakes and turned from God. But that does not have to be our identity. If that was my identity, I was born in sin. My name wouldn't be Nate, it would be sin. You could just call me, well, brother sinner, how you doing today? It's good to see you in the house of God. And we could line up in the altars and sinner number one, sinner number two, sinner number three, sinner number four, sinner number five. I don't know. How many people do we have in the church this morning? We could just line it up. Because we, we were all born in sin. It's shaped by iniquity. And God just took us and he transformed us and he changed us. I'm telling you something. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. Your story doesn't end there. And God is greater than your past. And God is greater than your mistakes. And he looks down and he doesn't want to condemn you. He says, what can I do in their life? How can I convict them? How can my word apply to their life? Because more than you want to, he wants you to live with him in heaven then forever because he loves you though I was a sinner he saved me by his grace Amen. it does not have to be our identity and your story does not have to end there as a matter of fact I can prove it to you I can prove it to you because Peter was the disciple that has gone down in history as the great preacher and soul winner that preached the famous Acts 2.38 message. Have you ever heard about Acts 2.38, somebody? I'm telling you something. When you read that verse, then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. What for? For the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. When you think of Peter, you think of Acts 2.38. Because Peter is remembered, and rightfully so. But it was Peter that stood in absolute shock when Jesus said, In Chapter 26 and verse 34, Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Peter, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. The great Peter that we know and love was approached by someone who he didn't even know. And they said, don't you know Jesus? He said, no. I know not the man. And he started walking. Could you stand up, Brian, Brother Pino? Could you stand up, buddy? Could you help me? Happened three times. Ask me if I know Jesus. I know not the man. Okay, you getting the picture here? Are you seeing this? I know not the man. So you can sit down. And he, and he was going around his day, and he, he started walking, and all of a sudden, somebody else came up to him out of nowhere. I know not the man. So you can sit down. And he's like, with those two people, 
They must have seen me with Jesus somewhere. They must have seen Jesus do a miracle. And finally, for the third time, and the Bible says he swore. That's what the Bible says. It says he swore. And he said, I know not the man. Thank you so much. You can sit down. Give him a great hand clap. He's an amazing assistant. He said, I know not the man. And it says, Peter, in verse 75, Matthew 26 and 75, and Peter, after he said, I know not the man, he said, he remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And it says, he went out and wept bitterly. Somewhere. Peter had to decide in his heart that he would not let his, mis- his mistake become his identity. And if I'm looking at it right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, we're reading in the book of Matthew, and I know that it's not all in chronological order and all that, but I'm telling you something. Acts 2.38 is recorded after the betrayal. Acts 2.38 is the greatest message preached of all time. He held the keys to the kingdom in his hand, and he said, you need to repent, and you need to be baptized. I'm telling you, Acts 2.38 was after the betrayal. I'm telling you something. Your story doesn't have to end there, but God has something for you to do, and he wants you to go tell somebody, you need to repent. You need to be baptized. It's not about me. It's not about what I'm worthy of. It's about Jesus. And the greatest message ever preached of all time was recorded after one of the biggest mistakes of all time to betray Jesus. Some of us here today, we've come to the point where it's almost as if we've betrayed him. But somewhere you've got to decide, my name is not Judas. My name is not Judas. My name is Peter. Because in our minds, Judas is the name that says it's a hopeless situation. It can never be forgiven. But when you think of the words Peter, you think of a man who betrayed Jesus himself, but yet was given the keys to the kingdom to preach the greatest message of all time. I'm telling you something in the name of Jesus Christ. I come against the spirit of the devil that wants to make you feel like a Judas. The spirit of Judas wants to creep over this church and say, I can't do anything for God. My past is too great. My mistakes are too great. I'm telling you something. Our name is not Judas. Our name is Peter. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Could you clap your hands to Jesus and give him praise? My name is not Judas. Praise God. 
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful, Jesus, that you loved me enough, you cared about me enough, that you would pull me from that, and you would remove me from that, and you would save me by your grace. I wonder right now if you could just begin to lift up your voice and just thank him. If for nothing else, you think, well, not everything's going my way right now. Not everything's happening like I want it to happen. I want you to specifically thank God. I have been forgiven. I have been saved by grace. That's enough reason to shout in this place. That's enough reason to dance in this place. It's not about a miracle today. The greatest miracle is that we have been forgiven by God. The Lord has dealt with me concerning the problem with the modern day church. Satan has successfully confused us. And I say us because... I consider myself a part of the body of Christ. And if you're a part of this church, you can consider yourself a part of the body of Christ. And I'm telling you something, Satan is so deceiving. He's so conniving. Brother Ryan was talking earlier. He's like a lion seeking whom he may devour. He's a sneaky cat. And that cat, the devil, the enemy, has convinced us... That shamefulness is the same as humbleness. Satan wants you to think that living your life ashamed is the same as living your life with humility. And I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, that lie will destroy your family. That lie will destroy your home. That lie will destroy your relationships. And that lie will destroy your church. It's not God's will for you to live your life in shame. To feel ashamed is not a humility problem. To feel ashamed is a pride problem. And I'm speaking in the Holy Ghost to somebody right now. Because Proverbs 11 and 2 says... When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. Oh, that devil. He's so sneaky. That cat is so conniving. He's got the church so confused between shamefulness and humbleness. I'm telling you, if you come to this altar and say, oh, I'm just, I'm just ashamed, I'm just not worthy, that's not humility. Because with pride comes shame. With pride comes shame. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. Let me tell you why shame is a, is a pride issue. Because you'll only be ashamed if you've convinced yourself that forgiveness is about you. Forgiveness is not about worthiness. Because if that was the case, none of us would be worthy enough to be forgiven. Forgiveness is about grace and mercy. It said, repent and be baptized For the remission of your sins. We're not forgiven because we are worthy. We are forgiven because Jesus is worthy. 
And where pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. The church has got to remember is that the church is not about us with the U.S. The church is about Jesus. You can't spell Jesus without a U.S. I'm telling you, if you put Jesus first, he takes care of the U.S. part. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. I'm going to say that again. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. That was Judas's problem. He thought that the church was going to stop because of him. He thought that the story was over because of him. He made the mistake of thinking that it was all about us. I'm telling you, nothing can stop the church. And your mistakes aren't going to stop the church. You can either join the church or you can let self destroy you. But I'm telling you, my friend, it would be a shame to live ashamed. Because in Jesus Christ, there is life and there is life more Abundantly. Let me introduce you to two of the worst people I know sin and shame. I am convinced that sin's best friend is named. Shame. Sin will only bring pleasure for a season. And then it will leave you in the dust. Sin comes at its own will. It comes and it goes. But shame won't leave you alone. You know, you've got the one person that they they come, they go, they visit often, and then you've got that one person that just comes around and they kind of stick around all the time. That's what shame is. Because when sin leaves you, shame stays. And often we as the church address the sin problem, but we forget about the shame problem. And I can tell you this morning in all confidence and assurance that it is not God's will for you to live your life ashamed. And this is why. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 is one of my favorite scriptures of all time. It simply says this. Looking unto Jesus. Do we have it up here? Can you read this with me? Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, so much took place on Calvary. There was so much that took place. But the only thing that the Bible says... That he despised was the shame. Because when he died on Calvary, see, he knew no sin. He who became sin knew no sin. He had no shame of his own to feel, he had no sin of his own to feel. 
He had no mistakes of his own to feel. But when he died on Calvary, and it said he despised the shame, you know what he was feeling? He was feeling my shame. He was feeling your shame. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I'm telling you something. Acts 2.38, the plan of salvation, when you get that applied to your life, I'm telling you something, it would be a shame. To live your life ashamed. Could we all stand in this place? I'm quickly coming to a close. If the musicians can come. But I feel very strongly in the Holy Ghost right now. That God is, God is trying to deal with somebody. On a very specific level this morning. It would be a shame. To live ashamed. Because Calvary. Purchased more freedom. Than that. Your story does not end here. And I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost that your mistakes are not the sum of who you are. No mistake is big enough to claim your identity. Your name is not Judas, your name is not associated. With a hopeless situation. But I'm telling the church and the Holy Ghost today. My name is Peter. My name is Peter. Our name is Peter. Because in the midst of our worst mistakes. The story does not end there. And a page turns. And God can begin to write something new in your life. He, begin, he can begin to work in your life. I'm going to share a story with you very briefly. And I've never told this story to anyone. But I feel it so strong in the Holy Ghost. When I lived in Indiana, as a young, very, very young teenager, well, a young one, 12. 12, 11, something like that. There was a, a guy about my age. I don't want to give you his name out of respect. I don't want to give you his name. And he would often show up in, in the circles. You know how youth groups get? They, they get little cliques. They get little circles, and everybody hangs out in that circle. And he would try so desperately to, to get into that, to get into that clique, into that circle. I remember I talked to him sometimes. We would, we would have good conversations, but I, I never had a five-minute conversation where I really learned about his life and I really took time to try to invest and, and discover who he was as a person. And I remember I'd see him, you know, Almost every, every Sunday. He would only come on Sunday. 
And I remember one Sunday, I'll never forget it. He came up and he said, Nathan, can I just talk to you for a minute? I said, sure. I didn't think it was a big deal. I didn't think it was a problem. He said, I just wanted to tell you that I love you. And I remember next Sunday, I went to church. And I said, where's he at? Where did he go? And my friend began to tell me with tears running down his face. He ended his own life this week. I will never forget it for the rest of my life. And the first thing that I thought about, what could I have done? What could I have said? Could something that I could have said, I didn't know that that conversation would be my last. I didn't see that coming, not in a million years. And I remember thinking, his story didn't have to end there. Could you close your eyes right now all over this house, every head bowed. I know this is heavy this morning. I know that, I know that this is a little bit different this morning, but God's trying to talk to somebody, and I'm going to let God do what he wants to do. In Jesus' name, I come against the spirit of Judas. I come against a conniving devil that would sneak into the minds of his people this morning and begin to tell you, you're not worthy. This is the end. This is it for you. You've made your last mistake. You've had your last conversation. You've done all that you can do. It's over. I'm telling you in the name of Jesus Christ. I break it in the name of Jesus Christ. Our name is not Judas. My name is Peter. The story does not end here. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, somebody needs to make up in your mind. My story does not end here. My journey does not end here. I'm telling you somebody, you need to make time to tell somebody your story's not over here. You don't know when that conversation is the last conversation you've ever had. I'm telling you, you need to get in to somebody's life and invest in somebody. Get the word of God in your life. Get Acts 238 in your life and begin to apply it in your life and take it to the streets. Take it to the kids in the church. Take it to the youth group in your church. Take it to the elders in your church and tell them this is not the end. And the greatest tragedy of all time is when a story ends before it has to. I wonder right now, with every, every eye closed, with every head bowed, I wonder if we could just begin to walk to this altar. 
Nobody looking around. We're not looking at each other. If you're going to look around and say, well, I wonder if they've been a sinner. That's every one of us. We can begin to look at every single one of us. And I'm telling you, I wonder if we could walk to this altar with our hands raised and begin to declare, my name is not Judas. My name is not Judas. My name is not Judas. By the power of the Holy Ghost, in the power of Jesus' name, my name is Peter. My name is Peter. My name is Peter. As we begin to sing, I want you to begin to lift up your voice. Let me tell you what happens when you lift up your voice. It's symbolic of saying, I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed. I can lift up my voice. I can thank God for forgiving me. I'm not ashamed that God is forgiving me. I am so proud to be a part of the church and be a part of the body of Christ.